beauty. Okay. Good day and welcome to our single. I'm Bob McKenzie and this is my brother Doug. How's it going, eh? Beauty, eh? Yeah, I like that. Okay. Okay, okay everyone. This record was my idea. Get out! Okay, this is peak Canada. I know some people think it's the Molson commercial, but no. I mean, Bob and Doug McKenzie, in a song by Getty Lee, that is peak Canada. Speaking of peak Canada, Deb Hutton is here, former senior advisor to two Ontario premiers. It's time for the morning brief. Good morning, Deb Hutton. Good morning, John. And since we just played the song, we can start with that topic. I know it's on the menu. Um, the two actors who played Bob and Doug McKenzie doing an ad for uh, the Canadian Beer Lobby, and the Beer Lobby's upset about a tax that comes online on the 1st of April of 6.3%. I'd say this is very effective messaging, but I'm you know, not entirely persuaded that we can't swallow the tax. Well, until last night when I heard this song as I was you know, driving kids to activities um, on the radio, I had no idea there was a tax coming in April 1st. So that's the first rule here. They've made us aware that there's a tax. I'm a beer drinker, not a massive one. I like the odd, the odd beer, but I didn't know. Six yeah, percent. I had no, no I idea. I didn't either. You're right. So effective so that's lobbying. Done its, yeah, yeah, they've done they've done the heavy lifting for us, which is to say, hey, this is coming your way. Uh, listen, I, I don't like taxes, as you know, John, no surprise there. And so I say to the government, reduce program spending before you do this. In the grand scheme of taxes, is beer at the top of the list I'm going to fight against? No, but I just think it's unnecessary when you continue to spend and spend and spend. Okay. John Tory, uh, who I guess they've got like mayor cam now on CP24. I keep looking up at the monitor and they show John Tory sitting in his office and it just seems very lonely and sad. Five o'clock this afternoon, he ceases to be the mayor. Um, there's a few aspects to this. I mean, first of all, just your sort of parting thoughts on the end of the Tory era. Oh, I'm sad. Like hearing you say that, it just makes me sad. Uh, you may recall that I co-chaired his campaign this past fall because I believed in him as the right person to lead our city. I continue to believe he is the right person to lead the city. So my sadness isn't just for him. It's for us as taxpayers and people of this city. I think uh, whether it's our police budget, whether it's our transit projects that was unprecedented to have three levels of government agree to it. I think those can all be in jeopardy if we don't replace John with the right person. That being said, uh, having done the wrong thing, he did the right thing by resigning. And and while I don't like it, and as I said, I'm actually quite emotional about it, and, and it, it is sad, um, I, I believe for him as a person, he did the absolute right thing by resigning. And you're absolutely right. The The thing that led to his resignation is completely off-brand. His resignation is completely on-brand. Um, another angle in this, though, Deb, I would ask you, because I'm kind of starting to bang the drum for this. The mayor's seat can't be declared vacant until a council meeting is held. The next scheduled council meeting is March 29th. However, the new mayor has the power to declare an emergency meeting, which I think should be her first action. Ooh, that's a tough one because, uh, you know, the 60-day the uh, clock running uh, is a tight time frame. When you think about the last mayor's race, uh, I believe it got off and running when John filed his papers in, in, in April, end of April, May. Yeah, May 1st, take I think. Place yeah. till October. And so while that was probably too long a campaign, it does give voters an opportunity to, to really sort of kick the tires and do all the things that they did. And they two thirds majority decided John Tory was the right person. 
The challenge I have, if it's too short, um, you know, we're not talking about a six-month mayorship. We're talking about almost an entire term. So I actually would prefer to see Jennifer McKelvey in that seat for a longer period of time so that we actually have a viable race. Because as I said at the beginning, this is a big deal. When I hear what came out of Gil, what's his name, Gil Penaloza's mouth yeah. when John announced he was resigning, like it, it just sends shivers down my spine as a taxpayer in this city. Yeah, I must say, I, I find what he and his brother did in Bogota extraordinarily compelling, but I don't know what the case for Gil Penelosa being mayor of Toronto is. But we'll see. We, he'll get it to make his pitch. Um, Niagara Falls Tourist District is inundated with uh, relocated migrants. Uh, this is an untold story, Deb, in many ways, because migrants are crossing into Canada from the United States. Uh, I don't know why they aren't immediately turned around and sent packing, because that's what's going to happen once they go through their formal proceedings. But then the federal government places them in different towns across uh, southern Ontario and Quebec, apparently, and there's thousands of them in Niagara. And the mayor says, listen, we got to get back to tourism here. This makes me livid. Absolutely <laughs> livid, John. Close the border. There's only, we shouldn't be discussing, you know, how many hotel rooms, I mean, to the credit of, of the Niagara Falls mayor, he has to look out for his city and his own taxpayers, but close the border. Like, there's no discussion here. The excuse is that we have a legal responsibility internationally to assess refugees. You cannot be a refugee if you are coming into this country from the United States. There are no American refugees. You can say you don't like Trump. You can say you're afraid of Trump or whatever it is, but that does not make you a refugee. By definition, if you are in the United States and coming into Canada, you're not a refugee. And if anybody has a responsibility to, quote, assess from an international perspective, it's the United States. So I, there is no way whatsoever that a single person should cross the border as a refugee from the United States. And I am, I cannot believe this. 3,000 people in Niagara Falls alone, where we've sort of said, hey, come, we got cash. We're going to pay for your hotel. We're going to help you get clothes. We're going to put your kids in our schools that taxpayers pay for. And listen, I, I'm this livid. I can't believe about I can't believe people who who have gone through the regular process or whose former neighbors and, and their family are going through that process and aren't in Canada yet legally, legitimately. How mad must they be when they see that their tax dollars are going for this? Close the border. Nothing right. else for me. We'll be talking with the mayor of Niagara Falls at 8.05 this morning. There's a provincial MPP who wants to nudge corporations to improve diversity on their boards of directors. And I'm of two minds on this one, Deb. I'm interested in your opinion. But... You know, it's not that women aren't qualified to be on boards. It's not that visible minorities aren't qualified. It's that they're not solicited. Yeah, and, and there, I believe government's role is to uh, encourage, maybe it's to, to get a bank of people uh, who, who meet those criteria and, and to get some training, perhaps, getting on a board. Because that's something as a, as a board you look to. Do you have some expertise in this? I think there are many things government can do because this is without a doubt the right thing to do. Uh, more diversity on boards lead to better outcomes. However, I do not like quotas, never have, never will. And that's essentially what this is saying. If you're publicly held, get to 50% of your board uh, female, get to a certain percentage of your board uh, for indigenous in individuals, for visible minorities. I just don't like quotas.
Yesterday's statement of claim was filed on behalf of uh, Dominion, the company that is suing Fox News for having lied about the 2020 election. Some pretty persuasive stuff in there, Deb, that uh, doesn't just suggest it proves that Fox knew they were lying, but it was just good for ratings. Yeah, I this uh, I can't I can't stand Fox News. And quite frankly, I'm getting to the point where I can't stand CNN either. You can't call yourself a news station if you are going to say, which some of this evidence suggests, John, that the anchors and the commentators didn't even believe what they were saying, didn't push back on what was being spewed by many of the Trump supporters. Like, how can you be a news organization if you're lying or you're allowing other people to say things that you don't believe are true? Thanks a lot, Deb. Good to have you. And I know you and Tim are going to be hosting The Rush on Monday, which I think, wow, I think you're a fantastic team. Family on Family Day, John. There you go. Well, put the kids in. Well, as you know, you've interviewed our, our oldest daughter. Uh, that may that may be a segment. We'll have to see. Stay okay. tuned for Monday.